Hey Boulder Church, it is so good to be with you all today. I hope that you have all been doing well and are safe and sound, enjoying this at home, um, watching on your TVs or your iPads or your phones. Um, it is so good to just be able to be together. I've been thinking about all of you who are returning to school or who have kiddos returning to school, um, praying that they have a positive, safe experience, um, that our teachers are doing their very best, um, and I've been holding them up in prayers while I know this cannot be an easy time um, for families and for teachers. So you are all my thoughts of prayers. Um, as we conclude this Faith Like a Child series together, I hope that you have felt as encouraged as I felt. Um, you have heard from some of the most in tune, loving, creative, and courageous leaders in children's ministry, many of which I've had the pleasure to work with and learn from. And so I hope that you have gained from their teachings um, and have felt the power of the Spirit moving in each of their talks. What I've loved so much about this series is that each of us um, have been studying and going through the same exact scripture. So everyone's been going through Matthew 18, that first little chunk, um, but each of us have had different eyes and a different perspective to share. Um, and so I'm really excited to share my perspective with you. I've been excited to learn from the other perspectives as well. Um, people who are engaged in kids ministry are usually individuals who build up the confidence, not only of the next generation, just but of every generation. Um, they have the opportunity to share these stories. Um, and so it's been awesome to be sitting in the presence of so many incredible children's ministries leaders sharing. So I hope through this series and then today as well, whether you are seven years old or 77 years old or even beyond, that you learn something new about God's love today. Whether you work with kids on a regular basis, maybe as a parent or a teacher, a small group leader, a coach, or maybe you're not super connected with kids at all and maybe you just see them here and there, um, I pray that you still see the value and how each of us plays a special part in revealing the image and the character of God to these kids. In my lifetime, I've had incredible people who have built me up and given me a sense of security of who I am in God and what I'm capable of. And I hope each of us feel a calling and a duty to build up the next generation and give them the confidence of who they are in Jesus. And isn't that validation what we all kind of quietly seek? The disciples were seeking it when they came to Jesus and they asked, who is the greatest? We want to know. Tell us who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And I believe that the disciples weren't thinking that they were kind of being weird or rude or obnoxious when they were asking this question. But at first glance, it does seem kind of obnoxious. Like, can you imagine grown adults coming up to Pastor Jay once church opens back up um, and we can all see each other again? They run right up to Jay and they're like, hey, Pastor Jay, who is the greatest in Boulder Church? Like, can you just let us know? Like, who's top tier here? Like, elders, deacons, where are we at? You know, like, who's the best? Um, it'd be kind of, it'd be kind of weird. And I'm sure Jay would give you quite the witty remark back. Um, but the disciples swarm Jesus and they ask, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? It's a loaded question. It's a really loaded question. It asks, Jesus, do you see me? Am I enough, Jesus? Am I deserving of all good things, Jesus? Am I great, Jesus? If you have kids, or you've spent time with kids, or if you were a kid once, I'm guessing you've heard these words. Watch me. 
right? Watch me do a cartwheel. Watch me ride my bike down this super steep hill. Watch me do this triple backflip off the trampoline. Watch me. I've always wondered why kids were so demanding, right? I mean, you can only watch and clap for something so many times before you go crazy. But then it hit me. From infancy, kids are given praise for everything they do. The little sounds that they make, their first words, crawling, walking, running, climbing. In most children's first year of life, they're given so much attention, so much praise, so much security. The older they get, the less attention, security, and praise is just given right off the bat. Of course, independence is super important, but as that grows, we need to make sure self-doubt and insecurity is constantly weeded out of these kids' lives. The disciples lived in a world where their value could be measured, so they asked Jesus a measurement. They viewed themselves as employees of the world and to God rather than his children. So the question just didn't really seem out of the ordinary to them. Who was the greatest? Who should I be aiming to be like? What can I do to climb the ladder? Jesus, watch me. I'm taking initiative on being the best for you and for heaven. The disciples were searching for security as a goal that they could achieve. Have you ever felt this way? Searching for security, wondering what steps it might take to be the greatest, the greatest teacher, the greatest husband or wife, the greatest pastor, the greatest parent, the greatest student, the greatest employee, the greatest son or daughter to your parents, maybe even the greatest Christian. My colleagues have pointed out many incredible reasons why Jesus says a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And today I'd like to share something that has hit home for me. Children are more secure than adults. Outside of the painful and evil situations that put children in unsafe and unstable in an unstable state, naturally children are straight up confident. They have no problem requesting your attention or maybe even demanding your attention or showing you what they learned or the cool rock that they found on the ground. You hear it when you ask them what they want to be when they grow up. Their dreams are limitless. You see it when a mistake isn't the end of the world for them and they don't spend weeks beating themselves up about it. For the most part, kids are not overly stressed until we teach them to be. I remember being probably, I think I was like seven or eight years old and I started to stress out about heaven. Really, like really anxious, really worried about this. Um, unfortunately, not all adults do a great job at explaining God's love to kids. And so I started to believe that there was just no way that me, that I was going to get into heaven. I thought about all the other people that would probably make it, but I just didn't think I was cutting the list. Um, I was rough around the edges as a kid. I mean, I still am rough around the edges sometimes. Um, my family loves to tell this story. It was Christmas time and we were unwrapping presents and I finally unwrapped the last present. And I just like, I whispered under my breath. I was like, no cold. Like, I was so thankful that I didn't get coal because I thought I have not been the best this year. Um, and so somehow I acquired the, this understanding that people who were rough around the edges, um, they just didn't 
have the in with Jesus and with heaven. Um, so I told my mom, I kind of brought it up to her in the car. I actually like, this is seared into my memory. Like I remember exactly where we were at on the road, what road we were turning onto. And I told her like, this is kind of what I'm feeling. This is what I'm nervous about. Like, can you kind of help me understand this? Can you help me be a better kid? Maybe, I don't know. Um, so I told her I was worried. I told her what I was stressing about and I'll never forget what she told me because this is something that to this day, um, my mid twenties, I still remind myself of constantly, um, because it's the best understanding that I can put words to right now. Um, she asked me, she said, Jess, how much do I love you? I'm like, obviously so much. Like you're my mom. You love me a ton. You love me the most. And she was like, if I was in charge of who got into heaven, would you be there? And I was like, well, I mean, if you were in charge, of course I'd be there. Right. You know? And she said, it is so hard to imagine. She said, it's even hard for me to imagine someone loving you more than I do, but God loves you so much more than me. And that, that healed me. That healed so much of that stress and anxiety as a child that I felt. My friends, be careful with your words to kids and even adults. Further down in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says, if one of these children who believes in me is caused, someone causes them to sin, then it'll be very bad for that person. I'm reading the ICB because I love it. It's going to be very bad for that person. It would be better for him to have a large stone tied around his neck and be thrown and drowned in the sea. That's heavy. That's very serious. And Jesus is not mincing words here. Um, the original Greek word for sin, like causes a child to sin, is actually scandalon. And it can be defined as cause to stumble or cause offense to. So what do you think that means? You're probably thinking of all these horrible things that someone could do to harm a child or to hurt them. And I agree, but I'd like to press you a little bit harder on that. No one did anything awful to me when I was doubting my place with God and his love, but someone did cause me to stumble. Someone or many people had caused me to see God in a light that was untrue and unloving. Instead of building by faith in who I was in Jesus, I was taught to focus on things that made me feel insecure. Like I said, I was rough around the edges and that already made me feel a bit insecure. I was taught to be insecure about the clothes I wore in school, if my shoulders were showing, if I had a certain color nail polish on. Um, I had my ears pierced when I was in fourth grade and I had to put little band-aids over it and that makes you feel insecure as a kid too. Um, I was taught to feel insecure about being opinionated and outspoken. Insecurity can cause us to stumble with the security that God has given us, right? Security causes us to flourish. I don't think I'm the one, um, I don't think I'm the only one who is taught to feel some kind of insecurity with their standing with God. Um, I have a feeling that many of us have struggled with or still struggle with the idea that we have this mark that we've missed. Um, we have a hard time understanding the love and the grace of Jesus and what it has done with us and that we now get to live fully in the spirit. So I want to ask you a question, um, and I want this to be something that you really 
sit with for a bit. So whether you need to pause right now and just like discuss it together, or take some time to reflect on your own, or if you just want to write this question down somewhere so that you can come back to it later. Um, it's a question that I personally have had to reflect on and still reflect on because it's still there a little bit. Um, and it's something that I have questions about. Um, the question is, what is making you insecure with your standing with God? It could be a lot of things. It could be something that someone had said to you in the past. Um, it could be a personal, very deep, um, emotional and traumatic experience that you had. Um, it could be how others have talked to you, or it could just be that you haven't taken the time to hear God's words of who he says you are. So I challenge you to really evaluate that. Um, when I began to dig deep into my insecurities, I realized it came from really deep, ignorant theology that was not rooted in love. It was not rooted in Jesus and in the gospel. This theology spoke an unhealthy narrative over my life from a very young age, and it's still something that I wrestle with to this day, right? It's so important what we say to kids when they're young and the image that we can create of Jesus when they're young. When you are secure in who you are in Jesus, you can teach the next generation to be secure as well. Secure Jesus followers who understand that the gospel is for them and has been for them create secure, loving, Jesus-centered followers in return. Secure Jesus followers build one another up. They're not worried about who is the greatest because they know that God, what God thinks of them is enough. So when Jesus said, the greatest in the kingdom is like this child, they're humble like this child, you don't have to show off because you feel confident and comfortable in your own skin because you're comfortable with who I've said you are. And so I think that's so incredible when Jesus illustrates the kid being the greatest, not because kids are perfect, but because kids are trusting, because they're secure, because they're confident and they know your love for them. That's huge. They know that God's thought of them is enough, right? They don't need validation from others, from work, from finances, from grades. A secure Jesus follower finds their validation in Jesus and Jesus alone. You will not be able to speak life and truth to someone if you don't believe it for yourself first. So if we don't believe this, if we don't have the security of who we are in Jesus, how will we ever be able to speak that clearly and truthfully to the kids, right? So it's so important for you to evaluate that question and to take time and to sit in the words that God has spoken over you. Sandy quoted the song, Who You Say I Am, at the beginning of the series. And I kid you not, every time I hear this song, especially when kids sing it or when they sing it at camp, um, I do not keep a dry eye. Like, it's almost like I have to stop from, like, heavy sobbing. Um, because, you know, like, when they say there's a place for me, like, and there are all these kids who don't have places, right? I think I've spoken about this before. It just, it moves me deeply. Um... And I believe it. 
I believe it so passionately for these kids that when the kids sing this song, like I am like, yes, like this is your song. Like believe it, claim it, live it, breathe it. Just this is for you. And then I realized and I asked myself the question, do I believe it that deeply for me? Um, I'd like to conclude our series with that same message that Sandy started us off with. And I pray that these words of security breathe life into you today and that you believe them deeply for yourself. The song says, who the sun sets free is free indeed. Believe it. Did Jesus set you free? Yes, you're free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Do you believe it? This is what God speaks of you. You're his child. You can claim it. You can sing it. You can praise it. In my father's house, there's a place for me. I don't know about you, but it just feels like everything in this world is very displaced right now. Um, And knowing that confidently, no matter what's going on, um, whether it's in a grocery store or a school or an empty church building or in your home or on a walk, there's always that place for you in Jesus. Because I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me not against me. I am who you say I am. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, as we take this time to worship with one another today, um, we take a breath in your Sabbath, knowing that you are good, knowing that you are complete, and knowing that you complete us. So God, I pray that these words this song rings true over our lives, that we not only sing it or hear it, but we claim it, that we believe it, that we believe your love for us is so powerful, that we believe our identity is so rooted in you that we stand firm in security, that we don't have to ask who is the greatest because we are confident of how great we are in your eyes, God. I pray that as we learn and we grow. Um, I pray that we share these things with the next generation. I pray that we pass on your love, your kindness, your grace with them, that we show them a clear image of you. Um, God, today, as we close out um, some time together, um, I pray that you remind us again of who we are and remind us to see each other that way as well. We love you so much, and we thank you for your love and your goodness. In Jesus' beautiful name, amen.